With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 114 of the Talking Chop Podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you live on the Sunday evening of Memorial Day weekend. And join me for the first time in far too long, frankly, it's the great Eric Cole. What's up, man? Hey, man. Sorry I couldn't come, uh, couldn't be on the show. Like, what was it, like a week or, week or two ago you asked me? I, I couldn't make it. I was kind of covered up. So I'm you glad can, to be back. Listen, uh, I can't expect you to come on every single time I ask you. People have lives, including you, uh, and you have a new venture even, which I'll, I'll let you talk about if you want to. But it's been uh, it's been busy for everyone, and I'm glad. Obviously, I'm glad that the Braves won on Sunday, but it would have been a lot different um, podcast uh, had they lost Sunday and then have, and come into this podcast losing five out of six games. You know, Winning uh, is nice, although there is obviously a looming story as we record this. Uh, just so for clarity's sake, it's about 7.30 on Sunday, so we do not know anything right now about Ronald Acuna. We'll, we'll get to that in a moment. What, aside from Acuna, what were your takeaways from uh, the last couple of series? Because you know, obviously Philly was pretty frustrated. They didn't really score any runs against the Phillies. They managed to get a win in there somewhere. But you know, losing two series in a row here, not exactly, not exactly ideal, I guess. No, it's not ideal, but I, I honestly didn't have like super high ex, like expectations from this road trip. Playing the Phillies, who are probably one of the better teams in the National League right now, at their at their house where they are like nineteen and nine this year, and then going to Fenway to go against the Red Sox, who probably are the best team in baseball right now. I mean, the Yankees have are, are making a pretty good run along with a couple other teams, you know, the Astros and a couple others. But I mean, they're in that conversation, and I was just like, I'm, I was just kind of crossing my fingers and hoping for a split. I mean, with those two teams, a two and four road trip really isn't that crazy to me. You know, the Phillies pitched really, really well. Uh, they have they have some really young they have some young starters that pitched really well, and you know, the Braves weren't like completely out of those games. They just you know the, the, the bats went cold for a little while, and that's going to happen sometimes. I didn't really draw too much from it. Obviously, I wish the road trip had gone better, but honestly, you know, you 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 put up a bunch of runs on Chris Sale, and you know, there's a, what, at least one of those Red Sox games they could have very easily won. Uh, if they had just, you know, a couple things had gone differently, you know, it's, I didn't really draw too many conclusions, but I still think the Braves are, are, are a pretty good baseball team. And, you know, it's nice that, you know, it's, it's nice that they're competing against the, the best. And I'm kind of looking forward to going against some teams that aren't quite as loaded as those two teams are. Yeah, I mean, last week on the podcast, we talked about sort of previewing uh, Scott and I talked about the this week uh, that we just actually got through. And I think I might have even said two and four is an okay result, and that's what they ended up. So, you know, it's not like it's some sort of disaster when you go two and four against the Marlins and the whoever, name your other bad team here. You're playing as two good teams on the road. You didn't get killed. And, you know, they, they led both games uh, in Boston yep. that they lost. Uh, so it's not like they were getting, you know, they got blown out. Obviously, there was some uh, less than ideal innings there in the in the late in the latter uh, sort of the stretch runs of, this, of those two games. But still, uh, two and four is not the worst thing in the world. Uh, looking quickly ahead to Monday and beyond, 
doubleheader on Monday at home on Memorial Day, which will be very interesting, obviously. And Max Freed coming back up to make the start in the uh, in the early game, followed by Brandon McCarthy. And then apparently Anibal Sanchez is the likely starter on Tuesday. Uh, so a quick four-gamer over three days with the Mets and then Washington for four games. So eight-game week. Uh, all against the Mets and the Nationals. So if you if you if uh, Braves fans hate the Mets and the Nationals, which is most of you, uh, a lot on the line this week, I guess. Yeah, I mean it's somewhat fortunate that the the Mets seem to be. I don't want to say they're not they're not good, but they're certainly they're certainly kind of a middling sort of team, and they seem to have been really struggling against the Braves. So uh, that that could be a good series for the Braves. The Nationals I mean. It depends on which Nationals team shows up. Sometimes they don't look like they could be beaten by anybody. And then sometimes it looks like, you know, the Marlins or the Reds could sweep them. It just kind of depends on, you know, if Bryce Harper is hitting and, you know, kind of how the rotation lines up for them. So it, it could go a lot of different ways. Uh, it's going to be a big week for the Braves because they kind of want to make up some of the ground that they lost on the road trip. They want to have, a, you know, but beyond that, you know, we'll see what happens, I guess. But ultimately, I think it'll be a, I think it'll be a good week. I'm, I expect like maybe like a four and three or five and two week. I would I, I hope uh, with maybe, you know, like a split in Washington or something like that. But we'll see. Yeah, I mean, anytime you have eight games against, uh, you know, if not the two biggest rivals, two of the three or four biggest rivals, um, that's a lot to take in. And frankly, uh, the pitching matchup in the early game on Monday is not favorable with Max Free going as Jacob, Jacob DeGrom, even at SunTrust. Uh, you know, quick turnaround as well with the 110 start on Monday. That's not a game that you're, that you're supposed to win necessarily. Uh, and then, of course, Washington, you. Uh, it looks like as of now, though, the Nationals will not be pitching Max Scherzer in that series, which is a win. I mean, obviously. No, oh, yeah, he's. He is a very good baseball pitcher. <laughs> I mean, if you if you if you tell me that you're gonna you're gonna face the Nationals four times and you somehow miss somehow miss Scherzer, that's uh, very very fortunate. So hopefully that holds as well. If you're a Braves fan looking for wins, um, okay, let's move on to the, uh, the the troublesome, terrifying, miserable story of the day, and that is Ronald Acuna, who I'm sure everybody's seen this by now, but suffered uh, what looks to be a knee injury. I guess the Braves have described it as a knee and back pain, uh, which is a very interesting release that they sent out. Uh, on Sunday afternoon, sort of what was when he was running, running through first base. No official update. Again, as of now, it's, it's 7.30 on Sunday night. So if you're listening to this later and there's an update, I apologize. And we will do what, what, what we can to uh, update on the site. So, uh, you know, if, if the news is better, check out TalkingChop.com. But uh, what we know right now is not much. Uh, TBD on the timeline. And uh, frankly, it was just more scary than anything. You know, you know, the, the, sort of the options as to how bad this could be range very, very wildly. If there's structural damage, you're talking about a very long-term injury. And if there's not... You know, maybe he misses. Uh, I mean, I can't imagine he's playing tomorrow. Uh, frankly, after the way that looked, and uh, he did, he, 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 he was able to get off the off the field on, under his own power, which is very nice to see. Uh, at the same time, it took a long time, and they even brought out. I guess they brought out a wheelchair, which is a choice that Boston made for some reason. <laughs> um, so, where are you at with this thing? Obviously, aside from just the existential dread of seeing Ronald Acuna writhing in pain, um, are you terrified? Where are you at with this thing right now? Uh, it, I mean, it looked really bad. It, did. I mean, it wasn't a first of all, it wasn't a particularly good look because part of the reason he hurt himself is because he was trying to gesture to the umpire that he was safe, and then he like was turned sideways and his bent his and his leg bent in a way that a, a leg shouldn't bend, um, and you know he looked very painful. But you know he did walk off the field. But you know there's no shortage of people with you know some semblance of medical knowledge that have told you that that doesn't necessarily mean that there isn't structural damage and it's not a serious injury either. Uh, I have a tough time imagining that this there won't be a disabled list stent for Acuna. Now the length of that is what could vary widely. You know he could just be put on the ten day DL if it's just kind of a like a strain. He dodged a bullet. You know he misses some time. 
you know, but then there's also the chance that, you know, he might like, you know, knees are tough, you know, <laughs> like, you know, if, there's a lot of things that can go wrong. So it's kind of hard to speculate too much uh, other than it didn't look good. Um, I was happy that he was able to walk off the field, but at the same time, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. And we're, I'm hopeful that, you know, it, it won't be a, like a super prolonged or even like a season ending thing. Um, but the Braves are pretty fortunate though, because, you know, while Preston Tucker isn't like an ideal option to have in left field, you know, he, I, I don't mind if he has to play, if plays the position given the situation. Uh, and you know, there's an outside chance that, you know, if like if Tucker doesn't really work out that, you know, Dustin Peterson's down there in Gwinnett. Uh, who had a pretty good spring, you know, he missed some time this year too with a, like a, a recurring thing with his hand and wrist, the same one that got, he, that missed a bunch of time with last year, but he, he's, you know, he had a home run and, you know, like just, just a little while ago. And, you know, he's looks like he could be a guy that could, you know, see some time if need be, but, you know, obviously it's not, it's not anywhere close to the talent level of Ronald Acuna, but at the same time, it's not like, you know, you're running, you know, like the worst of the worst out there in his if he has to miss some prolonged period of time. Yeah, I mean, you know, Preston Tucker predictably cooled off after his outrageous start to the season. That was always going to happen. Uh, not quite as badly as Ryan Flaherty has cooled off, and that was, uh, by the way, Preston Tucker is just a better hitter than Ryan Flaherty. But yes. uh, Tucker, as you mentioned, is not an ideal long-term corner outfield option. Uh, there are worse options, though, and I think Peterson might get a look, especially um, if Tucker were to struggle a little bit. And, you know, if, if Acuna was out for a long time, they have to make a roster move of some sort, and you're going to have to bring an outfielder up of some sort. So it might be Peterson. You never know uh, what that what they're going to do there. Uh, I'm kind of with could you. could also be Danny Santana. <laughs> it, could, it certainly could be. And, in fact, if I was making a bet, I would be. I would probably bet that, frankly. I think I uh, would be a, li- a little bit surprised if they went to Peterson, only because if you go to Peterson, you have to. Uh, for me, you got to play him. Uh, if you're if you're planning on starting Preston Tucker every day or mostly every day uh, during an Acuna absence, just go to San. I mean, I, not that I'm recommending it, but I think that I'd be pretty surprised if they did if they didn't go to just go to Santana or you know whatever, sign somebody off a scrap heap. I, mean, I, I can't imagine they're going to want to go to Peterson if he's not going to play. Um, but you know who knows at this point in time. And frankly, as you mentioned, I think I'd be, I'd be a little bit surprised if it wasn't a DL stint, but. It's not crazy that it could that he could avoid a deal. It's at least conceivable, and we're going to sound silly regardless of what happens here, because we're we're trying to toe the line as much as we possibly can without information. And uh, we record the podcast on Sunday night, so I want to get I want to get the podcast out. I mean, ideally, I wanted to wait probably until tomorrow to record, just because it's a big deal. Um, but at the same time, you kind of got to have to talk about it uh, in the time frame that we're talking about it. So. If you missed the rest of the season, I wouldn't be blown away. And in terms of a shocking perspective, um, if, you, if you missed, you know, I think it was uh, was it Dob. Somebody was talking about Bryce Harper's injury looking similar, uh, you know, semi recently. I think he missed forty games or so. Um, you know, I, 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 we're all guessing at this point in time. You know, yeah, it's all speculation, and it's almost needless because you yes. know we don't we we don't need like they're, they're, we don't even have like a vague idea oh no there's i mean their their release literally of neck of uh of knee and back pain is absolutely nothing that tells you nothing so yeah. there's no like we're testing for a spring i mean, i'm sure he's, he's he's having an mri we're probably going to find out monday now I, i'd imagine uh based on the delay like you normally would find out in the first couple of hours and if not you're probably waiting until the next day yeah i, w- I will say that the one thing that i have seen from a couple places is that he is traveling back with the team which, which is probably good but who knows yeah i mean it's i don't i i don't i certainly don't think that's bad news <laughs> no it's so. not i mean and again like if, if, if it was a pretty serious injury i wouldn't be stunned it looked terrible 
he his reaction looked terrible. Like he yep. looked like he had really suffered a major injury. And then he walks off. And I'm glad you mentioned that. Like walking off doesn't mean that he doesn't have structural damage. People walk off all the time with injuries that don't look as bad. Especially you know I cover the NBA. It happens more often there with knee injuries. Happen more often in that particular sport. But it often happens where guys will know that they're hurt, but they can but they're able to walk. It's not a situation yep. where you're unable to function and move. Um, so that doesn't really tell us much either. So, uh, you know, fingers crossed, uh, hold your breath, all that fun stuff. You know, obviously Acuna has uh, been a lot of fun. You know, he, people, there's probably a segment of the fan base that says he's been disappointing so far, which is insane because uh, he's just been pretty good instead of outrageously good. Um, but, you know, as young as he is, as talented as he is, it's obviously awful news if he's able to miss any time. Uh, and uh, we'll have our uh, fingers crossed again on that for sure. Absolutely. Um, all right, we can move on from that. And again, if, if something hits during the podcast, I will be sure to let you guys know by the end of the show. I'm sure that you know that it's one of those things. Yeah, I'm, re- I'm refreshing Twitter. Yeah, Twitter is live. TweetDeck is running for me as well. Um, you know, on a more positive note, injury wise, Mike Soroka is uh, apparently throwing a bullpen either today or tomorrow, according to reports, and is expected to make a rehab start later on in this week. Aside from just the uh, sheer brilliance of that for your guy, um, Daniel asked a question on Twitter and he asked uh, sort of the one that's you know pretty obvious is that basically how is the rotation going to work out with Soroka coming back and Gohara whenever he returns as well? Who's the odd man out? Because right now they have six starters plus Colby Howard looming in Gwinnett. So uh, where are you feeling about Soroka? And then of course, like what the, I guess the bigger question of uh, who's the five man unit if you, have, if you have to go with one. Well, I mean, just, Fulty, Newcomb, and Tehran are going to be there. Absolutely, like, those three are going to be in the rotation. Uh, I did you question me. I think that they. I think the Braves are not being disingenuous in saying that they view Gohara as a starter going forward. I just don't know if that necessarily means he's instantly going to be popped back into the rotation. I don't. I, I. I understand what the speculation is, but I still don't think that that. I think that they're going to kind of continue to have him in the bullpen for a while uh, until they kind of have to make a decision. Um, McCarthy is kind of a weird case because he's been pitching pretty well, kind of at times, and you kind of want to keep so showcasing him because he's a guy that's on the last year of his deal. And we start talking about, you know, if, if even if you do want Gohara in the rotation, you know, one one of the easiest ways to do that is to be like trade a guy who's on an expiring deal to someone else, and then put Gohara in. If you especially if you think he's an upgrade, because then some, another team that needs him and you get an asset back. Um, I still think Soroka will be in the rotation. You know, it, it it didn't seem like the shoulder injury was a super serious thing. It's just he was sore and he did the right thing. He's like, hey, I just don't feel right. And you know, they just gave him some time to gave it some time to rest and get healthy. And that's that's what he should have done. Um, I don't know necessarily think Allard is anything particularly eminent. He's been pitching really really well down in Gwinnett, but they just have so many options right now. It just feels like that they're not really going to be in a rush, especially for a guy like Colby, who they kind of want to see how he holds up. You know, in terms of his velocity and in terms of staying healthy and all that stuff, you know, how how he holds up over the course of a season, um, he, he might be it might be the second half before we would see him. Um, especially since that while the numbers have some of the numbers have been good, some of the peripherals have only been okay. So you kind of want to have him work on some things. He is he hasn't been you know completely dominating his starts. He's just you know has really good command and you know knows how to pitch his way out of trouble. And that's and that's certainly an asset, but at the same time, it doesn't necessarily feel like he's pushing for a promotion right now. If that makes any sense, it does. If people ask about our order time, that's probably the answer I'd give him as well. I think there's no reason to rush him along right now unless you have you know a trade or something very weird because you know, there's no reason to push that guy like that. No, no so one in young. the ro- no one in the rotation is a, a walking dumpster fire. No, um, I mean, it- the, the, and and there's a lot of guys like you know Gohara might 
it, it might be debatable as to whether or not Gohara deserves the shot in the rotation before Allard does. And oh, I'm, I, it, I think it, he does. I mean, it's not, it's not, yeah. and that's not a shot at Allard. It's like you've, no, we've already seen Gohara be be pretty good in the rotation at the major league level. He's also older and as generally seen as more advanced. So it's not like. I don't know. I mean, I can't imagine they would go to Aller before Gahara at this point. That'd yeah. be pretty surprising. So, I mean, those guys might very well get shots, and you know, those things happen where they just need a spot start here and there or whatever. But overall, I'm just not. I'm, I'm not. What what it is right now is probably what it's going to be for a little while, and then you know, McCarthy being the probably the biggest piece that will probably not be in the rotation by the end of the year. Um, and then, depending on which Julio chooses to show up on any given night, well, we can determine what what's going to happen with him going forward, too. Yeah, I mean, from a peripheral perspective, Tehran's been the worst pitcher on the team this year. Yep. Starting pitcher on the team, I should say. McCarthy, is, he, had, he had two really bad starts in a row. And aside from that, he's been really good the rest of the season. Um, and I've long said that as long as McCarthy is healthy, there's no reason to think he won't be pretty good. He's been pretty good everywhere he's ever been, aside from when he's hurt. Um, so, I mean, I guess you're sort of that, that ticking time bomb with McCarthy because he just always seems to get hurt somewhere along the way. He has one season of more than 170 innings uh, in, in his career, as a, and he's been a full-time starter for a long time. So it's not like a situation where he's super safe, but when he's pitching, he's usually very good, and that's one of, you, one of the things you have to try to maximize. At some point, you think they're going to probably probably trade him, but you know, the longer the Braves hold out here, there's less urgency to do that because right now, as a general rule, he's probably helping you because McCarthy, again, aside from two starts, has been really good this season. So I don't know. I, I'm kind of with you. I think it's going to be the, the three guys we talked about plus McCarthy and, uh, and Soroka when he's available, uh, which is probably going to be you know, next week, uh, it, it looks like. Uh, but you know, it's very fluid aside from that because, listen, if, Te- if Tehran has two or three more bad starts in a row, people are going to start screaming. They're already, they're already, they're already whispering. And I'm with you that he's in the rotation until he impl- completely implodes. But if he actually does implode, it gets very interesting in a hurry. Yes. And, and there, uh, are some, there are some not encouraging signs there. Uh, you're not wrong. Um, you know, and he has had good – like, and that's the thing. It's because like he'll have one start where he looks really good and the peripherals from that stat will look – start will look really good. And then he'll have a start where he just like – everything that is bad about Tehran – is really bad, and that and it's it's that I mean, he, inconsistency he, is frustrating. He just can't like right now. He's walking more than four guys per nine innings. He just yep. can't do that. He cannot live. His stuff is not. You know, Sean Newcomb can live with four strikeouts per nine. I mean, four, four walks per nine. Julio cannot. Hit. Julio cannot. Yeah, like, because you can't you can't hit Newcomb is the problem. Like correct. he'll give up two. He'll give up two or three hits. I mean, you know his home I mean? run rate, like Julio's home run rate, is probably a little bit inflated. Um, his bat is actually very low. Like he's been lucky to have a 4.2 ERA. You know, his FIP is almost uh, almost five three right now. I think you know he's not like he's terrible, but there are starts when it looks like he is done, and then the next start he'll look pretty good again, as you mentioned. So I'm not burying Julio Tehran, but if for some reason you stretch you stretch you know two or three bad starts in a row together, I don't think the, I think the Braves are going to have a very long hook on Tehran just because he's been a guy in the rotation for yep. a long time. Uh, he's under contract, et cetera, et cetera. But Anthopolis ha- would have, you would think, have less um, loyalty to Tehran than your normal uh, GM. He just got here. There's no, I don't think there's much of a relationship there. I mean, maybe there is now that we just don't know about. But he's a he's a, a first year GM with a guy who isn't performing all that well. And, and, and yeah. it does depend a lot on how well the Braves are performing because if they're like hanging around in this division race in July, and every fifth day Tehran is laying an egg. I, 
I don't know what your timeline is going to look like on Twitter, but I know what mine's going to look like, and it's going to be awful. Uh, oh, yeah. I think they're going to be under a lot of pressure to make a to make a change if he's if he's if he's struggling. Now, that's not to say he will, because he might that's what's that's what's weird about him is like he'll have you know these like six inning stints where he'll like walk one guy and you know maybe give up one run, and then he'll have ones where he like doesn't escape the third inning. You know, and it's like what do you do? I'm not, it's hard to it's hard to. Peg, which one's going to show up on any given night? I'm just hopeful that the the good one shows up more often than not right now. Yeah, and to clarify a little bit, you know, his his ERA right now four point two. If it's in that range, he's not going anywhere. No, uh, I, I, it, w- it would take a pretty significant blow up for Tehran to leave the rotation, uh, either injury or just performance wise. But four point, I mean, I don't care what his FIP is. I mean, I do care what his FIP is, but um, for, if his ERA is four point two, he's not going to be leaving the rotation. Let's just say that you're, you're going to be looking for Bartolo Colon 2017 numbers to try to get him out of the rotation. Yeah, it would have to be bad for a while, but I'm, you know, there are some signs where it could be that bad. And and because the Braves have other options, you also could see that Phantom DL stint. Um, pretty quickly on a guy. I mean, whether we, I mean, there were, there were already calls for that with McCarthy after he had those two bad starts in a row. I think Strained if, success gland. I, I think if yeah, I think if McCarthy had a third bad start in a row, you might have seen it with him. But then he came back and he's okay. now, he's now allowed two. He's now allowed one run and two straight starts. So that's now on the back burner. But uh, you know, Anthopolis has been willing to exercise that in the past. We should say so. Uh, just something to keep an eye on. I'm with you. I think we are in agreement on who the five guys are when Soroka arrives. It just becomes interesting to see what happens moving forward, especially as long as the Braves are in the race. And right now, there's no indication as to as to the fact that they won't be in the race. Even if they cool off, they're going to be in the race for a long, long time here unless it goes very, very south. No, agreed. Ooh, which is a weird sentence to say after. Yep. Uh, yeah. Yep. Enjoy it, Brad. It's okay to it's okay to be happy. Listen, I I've already written a very positive thing about the team uh, and how we were all wrong, and that's uh, been a lot of fun. And I'm I'm. I just assume that was the work of pot people. Yeah. No. It it was kind of. Uh, it's, <laughs> no. It's just one of those things where I uh, my my personality won't allow me to just not think about uh, how regression might be arriving, but at the same time, I'm trying really actively hard to be uh, not the guy that I normally am. And you know, they've been really good. All season long, and they've been fun. Uh, and two and four this week isn't going to bring me down. If they got on six, and that's and, and, it and that's different. But here you go. And that's the thing that they they have been really fun to watch, and like all year they've won a lot of different ways. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't feel like they've gotten lucky to win. Uh, I mean, the, the the comeback against the Marlins, there's a little bit of luck involved. In yeah, that, that was that was that was wild. But but, but but at the same time, <laughs> that was a lot of fun to watch and experience too. So <laughs> it was nice to have that happen to someone else. Uh, yes. I mean, you know, obviously shades of Brooks Conrad and I'm not sure if you heard the podcast, but I recorded most of it, uh, Indian style, uh, on the floor of a closet in the dark because I had a fire alarm going off. So there's uh, (laughs) a, that was a lot of fun. I'm sure everybody's laughing now that they're listening. Um, but yeah, uh, I, we had one, we had one window with Scott last week. If you guys missed the podcast, please go back and listen to it because I would uh, recommend it highly. But, uh, Scott and I had about one hour total that we could work with and, uh, Everything possible went wrong. It was still a good podcast, um, but the game was a lot longer than it was supposed to be. Uh, and then the comeback happened. I missed part of it because I was in the closet trying to keep the uh, beeping noise to a minimum because uh, my fire alarm went off for, and I'm not exaggerating, five and a half hours um, on Sunday wow. last week. Um, but uh, it was listenable for the most part, so I, I'm proud of the way that it came out. But it was a, kind of a comedy of errors. And, of course, the Braves are making that massive comeback while we're recording. So it was tremendous. I would, I would recommend it to anybody that uh, missed last week's podcast. Um, <laughs> uh, 
Uh, moving on real quick. There's a lot I guess. going on there. Yeah, there was a lot going on, I promise. Um, this is not a super recent report. It actually came out Monday, but it was, we, it was after we recorded last week. It came from Nick Cafaro of the Boston Globe, who actually talked about how there is a, a quote, growing feeling among talent evaluators that Mike Moustakas could become a Braves target, end quote. Um, we talked about third base on every podcast for a while, and there's obviously reasons for that, considering, you know, for instance, Sunday was a Charlie Culberson start at third base, because Camargo had gone over 12, and I guess that was uh, the short hook that he got after playing every day, quote-unquote. Um, but Moustakis has been good this year, uh, 121 WRC Plus entering today, and he's on a one-year contract, has a mutual option. He was a guy the Braves uh, were at least, you know, pseudo-linked to in the offseason. Uh, obviously, it's just a pure rental bat. But if again, if the Braves hang around, he might make some sense. What do you think about that report? And I guess third base in general, because we haven't talked, you and I haven't talked about that in a while. Um, I don't hate the idea of going after Mustakis. Now, the question becomes, because the Royals have like, like over this past week, the Royals have like talked about making their players available and that they're, they've finally come around to the idea that, hey, maybe it's not going to be our year because, you know, we keep signing the same 30 plus year old guys and you know are, we're not very good and by the way uh, they are they are 18 and 35 right? yeah they're, they're quite bad yes and you know now they're starting to think well maybe we should try to start trading some people after they re-sign these guys for, i'm gonna ignore the fact that i am exceedingly happy that dayton moore is not the man, general manager of the braves because like the the way in which he runs a team I, I don't i have a tough time understanding but I don't hate the idea of going after Mustakis. Now the question becomes price and what the Royals think would be a fair price for a one-year rental like that. On um, you know, it's one year, fifteen million dollar deal. Is that is that what it is for this year? Uh, no, th- this year is even less than that. that yeah, it's, 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 it's next year is fifteen million as as a mutual option. But this year, I think I'm looking up right now. Um, I think it's like eight million. Yeah, I, no, I six. I, uh, this year is six and a half million dollars. That's like that's that's the kind of money where they could probably. Finagle a better prospect out of the deal. Agreed. You know, because it's not, it's not, it's not an. Ex- I mean, because Masaka is having a really good year. I mean, one twenty one RP WRC plus is no joke, and you know he's he's been a, a above average to good player for a, a little while now. So it's it wouldn't feel like that would be a necessarily a bad a bad call. Like the, the cu- couple things just comes down to what the Royals want back for a guy that would ultimately be a rental because whether or not the Braves would sign, resign him to a long term deal is a kind of a different question altogether. But probably not. Yeah, it's, well, <laughs> you, you have to you have to assume no on a rental. Like, it's always a possibility that you could sign a guy, but until unless the guy signs an extension before he arrives, a la Dan Ugla, you have right. to you have to assume it's a rental. You just do. Yeah, yeah, and that he's going to go somewhere else. And so it just depends on the price for me. Um, what I'm going to be watching for probably over the next month or so, because I don't think that deal gets done until like really close to the dead, deadline, because the Royals are going to try to get the best offer humanly possible for Mustakis if they're actually going to trade him. Um, I'm gonna watch this to see how much the Braves are actually connected to him because this was just kind of speculation that you know like it, it just kind of makes sense. It just kind of makes sense that you know Mustakis is a third baseman. The Braves need a third baseman, so therefore they will go after Mustakis. Not like the Braves are in active discussions or anything like that. I want to see active. I want to see some some actual connections to the Royals and the Braves in terms of getting together on a deal because if they don't, if they're if they're not connected, I think it's very likely that means that Austin Riley is getting called up this summer. Uh, and in which case, if the Braves are planning on doing, if they're planning on calling up Riley, I don't know if they necessarily want to pay the price for Mustakas for a rental. Um, and Riley's hitting really well right now. Uh, he had two more hits today, and you know he's, you know, the, the homers were kind of all condensed into one game, but everything else, I mean, the average has been there, and you know he's still striking out a decent bit, but that's just kind of Austin. That's just part of Austin's game, and he's still he's walking and he's he's having good at bats down there. It's you know it's not 
crazy to assume that he might get called up this summer. Now, now if the if Anthopoulos is wanting to pump the brakes on that because I mean Austin did start the year at Double A. He doesn't have a ton of AAA at bats, so if they're wanting to say, "Hey, you know what? Let's just give him the year at AAA," then then a trade for Mustakas, assuming the price is right, makes a lot of sense. But if they're wanting to be aggressive with Riley and they really believe in him, you might not see the Braves connected to Mustakas real, like really, as opposed to just kind of the speculation stuff that Cafardo and you know John Heyman are doing. You know, if if it's not if it's not anything beyond that, then I think it's likely that we'll see Riley in, in Atlanta. Yeah, I, I still think the most likely scenario is Riley, just because um, if he's good and you know it doesn't require a second team to sign off on a deal, like it's always easier to call up a prospect than it is to make a trade. <laughs> That's kind of sure. what it comes down to. Like, I, I think ideally, if I was the Braves, I'd be looking for someone like Mustakis on a on a rental because even if you believe in Austin Riley, it's fairly unlikely he, that he'd be better than Mike Mustakis this season. And if you were trying to go, if you were trying to go for it, as the Braves might be trying to do, at least to some extent, if they're still kind of wild. Again, yeah, it's uh, this whole prism is very strange, and I didn't expect to be here on Memorial Day weekend. But if the Braves are still hanging around the race, or you know, leading the NL East and making making a real run at things, I think it does make a lot of sense to go get a run, especially at third base. That's the one spot on the diamond where you have a noticeable hole. Like Ryan Flaherty is not very good. That's not a big surprise to anybody. Johan Camargo, I've never believed in to the point of other people. And even if you like Johan Camargo, I think you have to acknowledge that he's not this great third base option. Like he's not, I don't think he's ever going to hit like a top tier. I personally like Johan as like what we wanted Chase Peterson to be. Yes. He's like a super utility can play him anywhere and he won't be awful. You know what I mean? And that's, he's, he's that, the best that's guy a, you want. That's a very useful player. And I, I think people think that I'm like crapping on Camargo, and that's really not the case. I just don't think he's a full-time – at third base, you really want a plus bat at third base, ideally, and he's not going to be that. I, I don't think he's going to be that. That's just me. I guess it's not impossible. But you know, ideally, his bat is more of a middle infielder bat than it is a third base bat in, in, in addition to everything else. So even if you really like Johan Camargo – I don't think he profiles as this perfect third base option, and I think the Braves probably agree. So, yeah. and by the way, he's the best option now. I will not. I would not say anything else. He's he's better than Ryan Flaherty. He's better than Charlie Culberson. He should play most days at third base right now. But it doesn't mean that you can't and shouldn't try to upgrade on him if you're trying to make a run this year, because you know that's the we- that's the weakest spot on the diamond. There's no there's no way around it. It's easily the worst spot. Really on the roster right now, starting third baseman. I think that's probably the worst spot on the roster. Am I, am I crazy? I mean, there's a, there's a couple of relievers that. Oh you know, sure, but I mean, but, just but, like but, as a yeah, but but yeah, I think you're I think you're kind of in the right spot. Yeah, I mean, it's not. And again, it's not a shot at anybody that's there now. I just think you there's always you know even on the best teams in the league, unless you're the Houston Astros who are just absurd from top to bottom. <laughs> most most franchise, even the best teams in the league, have spots where they want to upgrade, and that's third base is a spot for the Braves. Um, yeah. So that's just something you have to loom out there. So. If the Braves are ten games over five hundred in July, I think they're going to trade for somebody. I really do, um, but I just can't project that over the ease of Austin Riley because if Austin Riley was still hitting, he's coming up in September. If he's hitting, I'd be stunned yeah. if he wasn't. You know what I mean? Like, I agree. When the roster expands, like they're at least going to give him a here's shot. Here's my here, here's my question about the Mustakas thing, right? Let's assume that it's still a hole, and the Braves just for whatever reason are not calling up Austin Riley. It's not happening for whatever reason. What is a reasonable price for Mustakas for you? Like, where's the line where you're like, this is about the best I'd be. I'm willing to go for that. I mean, on a one-year rental for a non-star, because he's not—he's not a star. He's—he's a—he's a, he's he's a good player. He's a good player. He's like a three-three-one player probably like, on average. I'm just thinking like, 
I mean, he's not this great defender or anything. Like, he's got to have to, he has different power. Um, ooh, he talked about three, four months of a pretty good player. It's not one of the Braves' top five prospects, that's for sure. Um, and that, you know, part of this is unfair because the Braves have so many good prospects. <laughs> right. Like, uh, like <laughs> a, a lot of teams, like, their number five prospect probably wouldn't be enough for Mike Moustakis. Um, for the Braves, it'd be way too might much. Be, it might, might, be, might be too much, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know more about, pro, like, actual prospect value than I do. But, like, all the big names you're thinking about in your head are too much right now for Mike Moustakis. Yeah, that, that, that's my thing. If it, like, I'm kind of, like, off the top of my head, there's, like, seven, like, seven or eight guys that I'm like, if they're in the deal, I just don't know if it's worth it. But at the same time, like towards the bottom of that list, I'm not sure if the Royals are even interested in getting in trading him uh, just because they're the Royals. Not because it, it wouldn't be fair market value. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. But like the Royals just like – they function – I mean they're not they're not quite as like you know hesitant to trade guys and do stuff as like the Orioles or something like that. But you know the, where they're just like they will like – they will hold on to their – dying assets to their <laughs> to their graves which is pretty much what they're doing this year but you know it's i mean i could i could see like kind of like a like a fringy top 10 guy for the Braves like going in a deal for that um now whether or not the Royals are there that's my problem is like i just don't know what the like what the Royals realistically think is going to happen because i think that they value Mustak as higher than what he is in this year's trade market you know I what I mean? Yeah, I, I think ideally, if you're the Braves, you're probably you probably rather package two of your second tier guys than trade one of your top tier guys, almost. Yeah. Um, and again, you could speak to more of who those guys are than I could at this point. Like, I could I could throw out names because I know I know guys to some extent. But of course, you're the prospect. Well, you know, you, you you say that, but you know, here's the problem this year, just in terms of t- tiers. There's been so many promotions. Oh, that's both true. From the major yeah. minors to the major leagues. And like within the minor leagues and kind of these varied performances and like there's guys I still don't even know where I want to get a set like who who's actually good. Um, there's guys I, I'm higher on than I mean I'm higher on than even that I was before the season. Like I, I really think Bryce Wilson's going to be you know probably one of the better pitching prospects in the system. But at the would, same you, time, would you I, trade Bryce Wilson Bryce Wilson for Michael Stockis? Is the question? No, I would not. No. Okay. Uh, it, that, that tells you where I think Bryce Wilson is in the system right now. And I know you um, like him a lot, but like I mean. Okay, think about it in your head, your 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 own list. How many guys does it get down before you wouldn't trade him for before you wouldn't trade a guy from Mustakis? Is is there is there 10? 7 to 8. 7 or seven 8. To, so Bryce Wilson's one of the 7 or 8. Interested. Interesting. 7 to 8 is not even in the conversation. After that, like that like I don't I'm not even interested in the conversation. After that it's debatable. Um so if, because 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 the because the problem with the like there's this mutual there's this mutual option that might not actually be the worst thing in the world and two the money's right. You know what I mean? Like the, it's not, it's not, he's not, he's not an expensive player this year. And you know, if it was one thing, if it was like the last year of like a $15 million a year deal, but it's not, I mean that, that, that part of the value that you're going to be getting from a stock is you're getting a, a 121 WRC plus, assuming he's still hitting like that, uh, if not better. And you're getting him for, you know, less than you're playing Nick Barkakis this year, who is also a crazy value. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, Barkakis has been out of his mind, which, you what know. I want to hear about is what trade proposals the Braves are getting for Marquez this year. <laughs> I mean, that is fascinating to me. I do think it's interesting in some ways to think and like hear how the league perceives Marquez right now because you know there's three years of Braves evidence of him not being very good, and then well, not not terrible or anything, but just sort of an you know very very average yeah. kind of player. And then this yeah. year he's been out of his mind. 
Um, yes. It's two months, but it's now fully two months, and he's still doing it. So it's a weird setup. And he, you know, eleven million dollars on expiring is not a lot of money in a trade. Like you're taking on probably by the time the Braves would actually trade him, five million dollars. Yeah, that's not very much money. No, it is not. So. Yeah, I have, I have no clue. I mean, I think we have to, for this exercise, we have, we have, we'd have to assume that Marquez is still hitting like this in June and July, which he's 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 ending the season as a Brave, which is not where I would have put my money. Yeah, no, I would I would have been stunned if uh, if you told me he would still be on the Braves, frankly, like three months ago. Um, but he's been as good as he could possibly be. So, uh, and you know, if the, if you're the Braves and you're trying to win, Marquez this this version of Marquez is a lot better than any, any other option you have. So there's no urgency to trade that guy. I mean, if he cools off, it's a different discussion. But at this point, he'd have to cool off so much for anyone in the organization to think that he could that he wasn't so much better than your other options, whether it be Peterson or whatever else. Like he'd have to go into the tank. And I don't think that's going to happen because, you know, even if you don't believe this, his baseline is a is a league average hitter and if he's just that the rest of the way, he's going to finish with a 115 WRC plus, 120. Like that's a really good player for a full season, so I don't know. It's weird, man. Marquez is out of his mind. But yeah, I mean, going back to Mustakis a little bit, like I'm kind of with you. I think because the Braves are, in some ways, the Braves are loaded so much that it'd be easier to trade one of these guys. But on the other hand, they have so many guys who probably are worth more than he is. So yeah. it's also desperation level again. Like the Braves aren't, aren't going to suddenly go all in on 2018 because they, I think Anthopolis knows that 2019 was always the target or, and beyond, but if you're, and they might not have to, they might not have to just like, well, that's bet all their chips on this year. Well, yeah. you don't have to, I mean, if all you do is, is Mike Moustakis at the deadline and maybe a reliever, that's not going all in. Like, but if they wanted to go all in, they could certainly get him. I mean, there's no reason they couldn't, but like, I don't know, trading one guy for Mike Moustakis, trading, you know, the number nine prospect in the system for Mike Moustakis is not going all in, but it's also, you know, there's a little risk there. Like, you're putting some stock in 2018 because to this point, to this point, they have not done anything, anything to emphasize 2018 as the, as like a, a, a year that they're trying to go out and win. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. the Ronald Acuna thing, not starting in the majors, like, they didn't go out and sign anybody this offseason. And granted, nobody thought that they were going to be this good this early, and I don't care. In the front office, there's no way they thought they were going to be this good so far. But they, there's no indication one way or the other that they were willing to go in or not willing to go in because in the offseason, they didn't do anything. Well, and, to be fair, no one did, really. Oh, I, I'm with you, but like, and there was no, and I, by the way, I praised them for not doing anything. There was no reason right. for them to do anything because they have all these young guys, but the only, the only bit of evidence that we have that they may not be, you know, you know all in for 2018 is, the, is, is holding Acuna down for two plus, week, two plus weeks. That's the only yeah. thing that we have to go on, and that's not really that that big of a thing to go on. It's just, you know, I'm not sure if they win another game somewhere in the first three weeks if they have Ronald Acuna on the roster. But aside I mean, from not that, the way, not the way, probably not the way Tucker was hitting. No, Tucker was great. So you know, <laughs> that, that, that didn't bite them either. So like, they're walking, they're walking on air at the moment. The Braves in pretty much every way, aside from uh, you know, knock on every wood about about uh, about Acuna. But yeah, it's going to be interesting and to be sure because third base is the spot. We all know it, it doesn't have to be Mustakis. But there are other guys available. I think uh, there was a smart thing that I read uh, this week uh, about Adrian about Adrian Beltre being an interesting option. I would agree with that as a as sort of a break glass in case of emergency kind of option. There's Donaldson. There's all these third base is not 
um, you know, it's kind of weirdly the the prime spot to trade for <laughs> right now. So yeah. like the stars are aligning in a big way um, for the Braves to go out and make this move. I just I can't predict it. That's that's where I'll draw the line. Yeah, it's it's hard. It's hard to. I don't really have a feel for what Anthopolis will do in like the first year in an or in an organization because you just how, how he evaluates guys and how he's you know what i mean like in terms of like how he values players and it's not like a copy thing where you know it's like you know it's all about absolute value you know what i mean like every trade that that guy made was he was like geared towards trying to get maximum value even if that meant you know guys that were years away whereas anthopolis you know what does he see the team as? You know what I mean? Is he does he think that this is a sustainable thing? And if he does, does he feel like he has to? Does he feel like that he needs to make a move? You know what I mean? Because there's still, I mean, that what what beyond third base? You know, does he really feel like that that's going to be something that he needs to do, or he can wait? You know, two or three months, get you know not great production from there, and then call up Austin Riley now. Acuna being out is going to cause a little bit of a problem because then you have Preston Tucker in there, and if he doesn't hit well, then all of a sudden the offense becomes a lot less scary. That is because, definitely because, because you don't you don't want left field and third base being a hole because that means a third of your lineup isn't very good. Well, yeah. So, plus, when you throw in uh, when you, when you throw in Swanson, is this not exactly an overwhelming offensive asset? And then Inciarte is still a below average hitter for the season so far. So yeah, you're you're throwing you're getting you're getting in some weirdness there offensively if you have a couple more. Uh, holes in your lineup but uh hopefully yep. again hopefully Cunha is not going anywhere for a while because uh, he's been good this year Excellent. um b- before we get to the mailbag anything you want to throw out there minor league wise I feel like I've, I've neglected the minor leagues recently because that's just not my DNA and uh, you haven't been on in a while so anything you want to get off your chest minor league wise I know the draft's coming as well we're gonna we'll probably talk about the draft after the draft because I'm not going to preview the draft I don't think maybe I, maybe maybe I'll talk Carlos into coming on for 15 minutes because Carlos Calaza old friend of the program it's going to be on MLB Network. I'm so happy the for night him. of the MLB draft, which is insane for me. Uh, I, Carlos and I ran a website called ATL All Day together um, when he was in college, and um, I've known Carlos since he was, I think, 19, 20, somewhere in there. So it's kind of wild that he is going to be a television analyst even for one night, but uh, that's happening. So shouts to Carlos. Yep, I already told him that he has a shout out talking chop sometime during the broadcast. So uh, I'm I'm looking forward to that. Uh, in terms of the minor league side. You know, Austin Riley's still hitting really well. Christian Pache uh, connected for a home run, and he's stealing bases. Uh, I, read, I read somewhere that one scout said that that was he was the best prospect that that guy had, that scout had seen that year this year so far. Uh, so that's obvious. That's, so that's obvious. That's obviously a good sign. Um, on the pitching side, Bryce Wilson, Wilson's been pitching really well. Kyle Muller, uh, he got promoted to high A uh, not too long ago. Um, right around that time when uh, the Giants were sweeping the the Braves is when he got the promotion, and. You know, and he had a good start today. Um, Kyle Wright's been really uneven, and it's a little bit disconcerting because he looks good for like three innings, four innings. And you're like, wow, this guy's didn't really pitch, and then everything falls apart for him. And I honestly don't know what to attest it to beyond this is a guy that really didn't get to experience full season ball and like the once every five days rotation until this year. Uh, and that's like really pitching on, on every five days as opposed to you know those two or three innings stints after he was drafted. So I'm hoping that you know that kind of irons itself out. Um, Giancarlo Sincarnacion and Drew Waters down in Rome are really, really good. Uh, and he, Drew Waters in particular, he missed some time with an arm issue, and he's come back, and all he does is just hit the cover off the ball. Uh, and he doesn't look like a guy who should be hitting the ball as hard as he does. The guy can run. He can play in the field. Uh, he, I expect him to make a big jump in the rankings. Uh, William Contreras and Giancarlo Sincarnacion making big jumps too. Um, 
beyond that, you know, there's guys like Travis Demerit who started off like I was like two for 30 or something like that, and now he's hitting really well again, and he hit, he hit a home run today. So, I mean, there's a lot of fun stuff happening. It's just not kind of the same names we're used to seeing, so it's kind of hard to, you know, everyone's like, what happened to the minor league system? Like, they're still good. It's just not the same guys because a lot of the guys that we got used to talking about, they're playing in the major leagues right now. Yeah, it's, uh, I know that's weird for you in a lot of ways. It's weird for me, and I don't even cover those guys <laughs> the way that you do. So, uh yeah, I mean, podcast is. Uh, I haven't had a, I haven't had a minor league recap with Ronald Acuna, Ozzy Albie's, Mike or Mike Soroka in it for a long time, and it's been really weird. Are you getting uh, withdrawal symptoms or what's going on? I mean, here? I get a little twitchy. Uh, you know, like I start like scratching myself, but you know, <laughs> I, I I make I make I make do with the fact that you know guys like Tuki Tucson are among the major the minor league leaders in strikeouts. Uh, that that feels pretty good. Um, Tuki, by, the, by the way, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure if you if you heard the podcast a couple weeks ago when I had Garav on, and I, I think Garav might have had an aneurysm talking about Tuki Tuki Tucson. He's he's looked really good. <laughs> oh, I know. I just I mean, and I, I think you remember like Tuki's been was my was always my favorite I know. guy. I know. Um, I know. So I'm I'm all the way in. I just I, I think Garav was like there was like a I can't remember who the comp was, but it was it was outrageous. I think Garav's all in. That's all I'll say about. Oh, that, you know. The Grov has two modes. He's just not in at all or all in. He's on Drew Waters. <laughs> he's on, he and he and he's on Tuki. I mean, Tuki was in a spot. It was I think it was I'm not sure if it was base it was either bases loaded or like second and third. And he reached back and like and reached back for ninety nine and the guy never had a chance to hit it. And I was just like, Okay. So yeah, that that'll that do. Happened. Yeah, I mean and with that it, look, if you if you're throwing upper nineties with that curveball It's over. Yeah, and and, he, and he's and he's, you know, he and he is like kind of he also he's changing speeds on his fastball really well. His changeups improved. You know, he's gonna have, he has his times where his command is still not there, but when it's on, it's just there's just no hope. Just go yep. home. Uh, yeah, that that makes all the sense in the world. Um, well, yeah, okay, we can move on to the mailbag <laughs> real quick. We've done uh, we've done a lot, so we'll uh, probably go through this a little bit quickly, but. First question comes from, I think it's Ariston Bowers, uh, who asks, um, basically he realizes all, this, all the small sample size caveats, but how do we understand Nit Markakis' defensive stats being better than Ronald Acuna's defensive stats so far? Do we attribute it to Ender's range, or is there something going on with the picture of Acuna's defense or, Mar- or Markakis' defense? Just for context before I let you answer, Markakis has uh, four DRS right now, which is uh, probably better than he that I think he probably is in general and break He's about break even overall defensively on fan graphs and baseball reference in terms of their overall like war stats. Uh, Acuna is about break even on uh, baseball reference, but actually is a pretty, pretty decently strong negative on fan graphs defensively. So what do you see with your eyes? I think the small samples, small sample stuff is definitely out there because defensive metrics are like some of the worst things to have small samples on. But yep. what do you think about Acuna's defense and is Marquez suddenly better or is it just sort of a weird uh, sort of blip on the radar there? Well, for starters, I mean, there's the positional adjustment of left field versus right field. Right field. Yes. So, I mean, like Acuna is automatically penalized, like he is being handicapped because of the position he plays, regardless of how good he is at it or not. Um, two, I think that the Braves have kind of adopted a lot of the like a lot of the defensive metrics in terms of positioning, which I think it's helped Marquez a lot, putting him in better spots to where he can actually like make plays because he's just not a guy that's going to range to go get them. Um, and Marquez has played well. You know, it's not. It's not. I'm not. I'm not going to say that he's like you know lights out right in right field or anything like that, but he's 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 gone back on balls that I would think that most time he, most of the times he wouldn't get to, 
And you know that that's a, that's a that's a shout out to him that he's played pretty well. But I mean, defensive metrics just in general, they generally lag behind in data, especially like defensive runs and saved and all other stuff. And defensive metrics in general are really problematic right now with with the way shifts and alignments are working. It's more problematic in the infield. Uh, in terms of like you know like gauging a guy's range because you know if you if you're shifting all the time it's like your your numbers look weird and all this other stuff so I'm a little bit skeptical of I'm I'm becoming more skeptical of defensive metrics than I used to be and I'm trying to t- trust my eyes um, you know Acuna's had a couple times where you know he maybe bobbled a ball here and there and when he's only been up for you know less than a month you know it's th- those are those things are going to stand out more th- than they would normally but at the same time I. If you're asking me who's the better defender right now, Acuna or Marquecas, I'm still going to say Acuna. But I'm at the same time, Marquecas has played well. So I mean, I'm, I'm overall, I'm just very pleased with how well Marquecas Marquecas has been playing. But you know, in terms of like you know, when a ball is being driven and you know, you have to run and go get it, who who do I want, Marquecas or Acuna? That it's not even close. Yeah, I do think that's a good important point that you put out there about about the positioning. Um, that's really helped Marquecas because if you had a final weakness with him, it was always going to be range. Um, yep. That's something Marquecas, you know, his. I think he had he had that that obscenely long errorless streak because if if he gets to the ball, he's going to catch it. It's not like Marquecas is some disastrous outfielder; he just can't really get to balls. But if he's in a better placement, that really helps him. His arm's not great either. But and listen, he's not some lights out defender, but it's better than it has been. And uh, I'm with you. I think Acuna is better. Um, that's not news to anybody. Um, but you know, Acuna's young, and he's got he's not a perfect defender by any means. He has strengths and weaknesses at this point. I think he's going to be awesome. Uh, maybe even pretty darn soon, but he's he's already he's already good because his range and uh, all that all that. I mean, his arm his arm is obviously like leaps and bounds better than Marquecas's arm. So yeah, I think it's a lot of small sample size theater. Um, but Marquecas has been a little bit better, and Acuna will he'll be fine. Let's not worry about Acuna's defense at all. Uh, by the way, I pulled up Marquecas's Fangraphs page to talk about his uh, stuff here. Still has more walks and strikeouts on the season. Whew, he's been awesome. Um, yeah, he's been real good. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm the dumbest man alive. If you uh, want to listen, every uh, every tweet I get about Mar- about Marquecas is probably deserved. Uh, I will say that I was right for three quarters of the contract, but uh, the the last quarter I'm going to be very very wrong. It appears, and that's fine because he's been awesome. Yeah, that, 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 that's the kind of wrong I have no problems being. Yeah, I'm good with being wrong on the on the more negative side. Uh, that's that's okay with me. Uh, all right, last one. Uh, good friend of the program, Patrick Mollett, always asks good questions. Uh, he says all World Series teams need, need elite re- elite relievers nowadays. Wouldn't fifteen to twenty million dollars for Craig Kimbrell over four or five years be worth it, or do you see the Braves getting a bunch of, of above average guys instead of one elite reliever for Brian Snicker to misuse? That was Patrick's uh, Patrick's <laughs> Pat, Patrick's war is not mine, but uh, Kimbrell's been an interesting topic, uh, sort of on the internet, you know, for obvious reasons. You know, he, the, the Braves played the Red Sox this weekend, and, Mark, and Kimbrell was obviously a former Brave, so. It doesn't always have to be Kimbrel necessarily, but uh, what do you think about the, the prospect of, of the Braves maybe getting into the market for an elite reliever? And then I guess if you want to talk about Kimbrel separately, go ahead and do that. I'm not sure if that's necessarily – like in terms of like a really like shutdown reliever, that's where I would want to put my money uh, in terms of that kind of, that kind of money. Because the reliever market's like – you either have to pay like crazy – like you know that 15 to $20 million a year or something like that, you know, like some crazy amount of money, or like you're not paying anything at all. Uh, so uh, I'm not sure if that's necessarily where I want to put my money just because relievers. I mean, I, I, look, I love Craig, Craig Kimbrell. He's the best reliever I've seen live. I feel pretty certain about that. Um, and, you know, I'd love to see him back in Atlanta just in terms of how the money would work and what else the Braves need to be doing in the offseason and things like that. I'm just not sure if that's where I'd want to put my money. 
but at the same time, if he's wanting to take a little less than that uh, and come back to Atlanta, you know, I'm in because he's he's incredibly good. Uh, I like some of the relievers that the Braves have. Uh, I still like AJ Minter, and you know, Shane Carl's been and Dan Winkler both. You know, the Red Sox series notwithstanding, have both been incredibly good this year. So, like, I like those guys in the bullpen. But, you know, if you have a chance to get Craig Kimbrell and it's not for an obscene amount of money, then I'm in. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I, I think I would avoid um, big, big ticket deals for any, any, pretty much any reliever. I, I mean, I, I, Kimbrell, that's, that's, where, that's where I am. I mean, like, especially for like five years. Yeah, I mean, no, no, I mean, I mean there's that, no way I would give anybody five years. There's, there's basically been one closer in the history of baseball worth five-year deal at, this, at, at Kimbrell's age. You know, Kimbrell will be 30 um, yep. on Monday, actually, on Memorial Day. I'll, I'll turn 30. Unless you think he's Mariano Rivera, nope. That's the one guy, basically. And listen, Kimbrough had had the had the bad year two years ago where he suddenly forgot how to throw the ball straight. But you know, 2017 he was utterly unbelievable, like ridiculous, fantastic. This year he's not been quite as good again. Like, he's still very he's still very very good. But I would not be giving any reliever, and this is not a shot at Craig Kimbrough at all, a four or five year deal at 15 million dollars a year. I, just, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't. I, I don't. I don't think I'd give that to like Kenley Jansen. I wouldn't give that to anybody. Like, no, just, I mean they're just it's too, too volatile. It's too, vo- it's too volatile of a. If you're, that, if, you're, yeah. if, you're, if you're the Yankees or the Dodgers, then you can do that because if it, if it doesn't work out, you're okay. You just, you just paper over it. If you're the Braves, you cannot afford that deal if it goes wrong. You, I mean, with again, I should say with the caveat that you know Liberty Media can afford it. It's just that they probably won't choose to suddenly spend <laughs> like the Yankees and Dodgers. Uh, I think uh, people have uh, said that to me. I, I, I never want to say the Braves can't afford stuff because they absolutely can, but at the same time, they're not going to, so we have to be realistic about what they're going to do. But um, before I before I let you go, this this just reminded me of this because uh, I was talking to Garrett. It was either today or yesterday. Who do you think leads the Gwinnett Stripers in strikeouts this year? In general, um, oh, wait, pitching strikeouts or hitting strikeouts? Yeah, pit, 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 pitchers strikeouts. Like Tukey would obviously be in the lead there, but. Uh... I have no idea. You're never going to guess it. That's why I'm not going to even try. Reliever Evan Phillips. Oh, that. See, I would have thought about that a little bit just because I was, I was, that was the other guy that Garav was fawning over on the podcast. Um, and I knew he'd been really good this year. I, I would not have guessed that, but I'm not overly he, surprised. He All he does is like one and two inning stints where he like strikes out the side at least once. Uh, That's all he's done this year. And, 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 he, and he has like upper 90s fastball and, you know, a breaking ball that is like legitimately good. Now the question becomes if he's like Mauricio Cabrera, cause I mean, he's definitely had some, you know, walk issues in the past, but this year he's been really good. Yeah. I mean, last year, uh, combined double A, triple A, he walked a lot of people. I'm trying to do the math <laughs> in my head. Uh, 34 walks in 51 innings. Yes. Which is really, really bad. Um, yes. but this year only three and a half walks per nine. That's you can, you, you can live there. That's fine. If you're striking out 13, and it's, and, it, and it's a and it's a live arm. It's not like a junk baller that like figured it out. Sure. So and, yeah, I mean, um, he seems like a he seems like a potential end of the bullpen kind of guy. Um, and by the way, you know, you still have Mentor, you still have Winkler. I think Shane Carl is not going to be that guy long term. But uh, you know, if you have you have a few options, again, that's just another example. Like, I, there's no way I would pay what it will probably take for Craig Kimbrell. Somebody's going to pay Craig Kimbrell more than the Braves are going to pay him. And I don't think you know Kimberl might love it in Atlanta, but he's not going to he's not going to give them a discount big enough. I wouldn't imagine for that to be a deal that I would like. 
Well, you're not wrong. And I love Craig Kimbrell. He's very, very good at baseball. Yep. I mean, look, I'd love to see him as a Brave again, but that's a lot of money to give to a reliever. A yeah, I mean, and, I, and listen, I, I get people that want to sign him, even, even to four years and big money, because if he's the same guy he's been for the last four years, he's, he's the he's best reliever in baseball. Yeah, yeah. And, he's, <laughs> and he's worth that much money. But you have to, you almost have to get that. Like, you got to have, I mean, to pay out, paying out $15 million a year as a closer that's going to throw 60 innings. That guy's got to be awesome, or it's not worth. And it. he's got to be awesome at the age of thirty-four as a reliever. Right, that's where and, I'm. Not and where his trademark is throw in ninety-seven, ninety-eight. That's just that's just not fair to ask of him. No, you and, know what it, I mean? and <laughs> by the way, whoever signs him could look really smart. If he's still yep. the same guy four years from now, then it's a great deal. Um, I just don't think the Braves could take that risk, frankly, given Liberty's current financial constraints that they provide. Uh, I always have to say that. I'm going to start saying that every time I talk about Liberty's finances because I understand how much money they have. I get that they could suddenly be the the Dodgers if they wanted to be, but they're not going to be doing that. They're just not going to do it. So I'd rather be realistic and talk about what they're going to do rather than what they actually could do if they were – if suddenly Liberty had a CEO that wanted to just be uh, a huge Braves uh, you know, throw the money out. Ted Turner. Everything the, the Liberty Media is doing is trying to make money, decrease their debts, <laughs> to not have a bunch of money on the books. They're trying to make money because they, yeah, they're trying to make money and they're trying to make the Braves as an asset a very valuable one, either in terms of profit or you know, if maybe the conspiracy theories are right and they're trying to sell the team and it's easier to sell them on not having a ton of big contracts on the books. And I but, listen, and I, I totally understand, especially if you grew up in the age that I did and Ted Turner was the owner of the Braves and just spent money, or like true. it's a lot more fun to have an owner that's one person that wants to win. That I totally agree with you on that. I get it. There, there are just so few of those. I mean, who's right. even? Let's see. There's. The uh, learner in in Washington. Yeah, I mean the Steinbrenners. Like they have, there are teams that have money. I mean the Dodgers. Yeah. The Dodgers spend like they're one person, and they're not. That, but they print money. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's the same thing as Boston. Yeah, the, Dod- bought, the Dodgers kind of spend like the the crazy billionaires. And the Red Sox do the same thing. I mean, it's not that's not one person either. But I, I just think as long as the Braves are owned by a corp, a media conglomerate. They're not gonna spend like that because unless the only way that happens is if if SunTrust Park is suddenly Fenway and they sell out every game all season long, then that's different. Because if you're if you're creating revenue on the level of Boston and New York, they'll they'll spend more money. But because they're not, look the the Braves as a team. I don't care who owns them. The Braves are not going to spend like that until the TV deal is up. Oh, the t- yeah. Of, Between the TV deal and the fact they're not going to sell tickets on, on the same level. And listen, the attendance, been, the attendance has been way better this year for obvious reasons. The team is winning. If the team wins, people are going to come more often. Um, but yeah, the TV deal is not good. It's just not. The TV deal is the worst one in baseball, I think. I mean, per, per market for sure, because the Braves fan base is massive. Like yep. the fact that they have a you know bottom five TV deal with arguably the largest fan base in the country. I mean, one of the top four for sure. Like, it's like Red Sox, Yankees, Braves. I think it's pretty clearly uh, maybe the, maybe the Cardinals. Like maybe the Cardinals, your, maybe the Dodgers. I mean, I don't think I, don't, I honestly don't think so. I think the Dodgers. I think the Dodgers fans are basically just in Los Angeles. I mean, there's a lot of them, but and maybe some holdover, like some old people that are still hold up from Brooklyn. Cub, Cubs are kind of there. Oh so yeah, the Cubs there. are massive. Yeah. Okay, so top five or six fan base in terms of size. Um, Grant and again, all the caveats in the world, they're not all in Atlanta. That's the big thing about the Braves fan base. And it's kind of like the Cardinals. They're more regional. The Cardinals have that whole middle part of the country for the most part. Um, the Braves have 
the entire Southeast. <laughs> there, there, there are more Braves fans in Tampa than there are than there are Rays fans, and it's not. Close. I don't think. I don't even think it's that close. It's not. It's not close. I mean, I have family that lives there. It's not close at all. Uh, there are more. I think there are probably more Yankees fans in, the, in Tampa Bay too than there are uh, Rays fans. But another, another story for another day. But you know, Mississippi, Alabama, South Carolina, North Carolina, Tennessee, all of those are Braves country through and through. So. Anyway, uh, we're off the rails at this point, Eric, because that's what we do, you and I. Yeah. But hey, uh, please yeah. tell people where they can find you now on a national scale because you have a new job. Yeah, uh, I'm still a Talking Chop. Uh, I've gotten more than a few questions uh, as to why I was leaving Talking Chop. I am not. I'm still the deputy site manager at Talking Chop. But I did uh, my this my, my this past week was the first week where I was the site manager for MLB Daily Dish, uh, covering uh, MLB trade rumors and news just league wide. Uh, it's been a lot of fun so far. Uh, I'm pretty tired in terms of like getting everything kind of sorted out the way I wanted it to and getting everything organized. But the staff over there is really good. Uh, there's going to be a lot of changes over there. It's not going to be just like an MLB trade rumors, you know, sort of, you know, sort of rehash, I guess, where, you know, you obviously there's going to be some breaking news stuff on there. But there's going to be a lot of analysis pieces that are going to be talking about like league-wide stories, which is a lot of fun to talk for me to talk about because I've really been very Brave-centric and in my particular case, very Braves minor league-centric for a long time. Uh, so I've gone from a very narrow focus to a very wide one. Uh, which has been a lot of fun for me. Uh, brought on a couple of writers to help out uh, as in, in, in addition to the existing staff. So you're going to see a lot more of analysis pieces over there. Uh, and I'm still a talking chop. You know, I am I'm literally have the minor league recap open on my editor right now. I'm going to have to finish writing that as soon as this is done. Um, so, you know, I'll still be here. I'm still going to be writing writing recaps. I'm still going to be doing the same things I've been doing for a long time. It's just I, I have more to do. It's not really going to affect anything with you guys. Uh, obviously, I'm still here talking to Brad. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I and, you know, the, it's... The, I'm never going to leave Talking Chop unless they absolutely force me to and I get an offer that I simply can't refuse to go to somewhere else. I mean, I've been at Talking Chop. This is my fourth season, which is kind of wild to think about. But, um, you know, it's it's an absolute, it's an absolutely great place to write. There's a lot of smart people that I like a lot. I talk to, I talk to the Talking Chop guys, multiples of them every day, uh, which is more than I can say for a lot of the friends that I've had over the course of my life. So it's you know, it's it's been a blast being here, and I'm not going anywhere, but I'm just doing something different. So if you want to read some really good analysis pieces uh, and breaking news stuff just on MLB, make sure you check out the MLB Daily Dish. Uh, and please do not forget to just keep coming to Talking Chop. Um, the, what, the site's been c- continuously growing, and it's been kind of wild this year. I thought last year was crazy in terms of how much, you know, how much enthusiasm there was for a site, but it's actually somehow gotten significantly better this year, which is kind of crazy. So really, thank you a lot, guys, for, you know, giving supporting the site supporting the podcast it's just been a lot of fun yeah uh obviously we echo all those statements i'm glad you're uh, hanging around talking chop and even if you left i would make come on the podcast just because you have to have <laughs> something else you have, you have to at least talk about the braves like i have the easy job i mostly just talk i do a little bit of writing every once in a while and game stuff but uh mostly just have to spew my thoughts on this uh particularly medium with you so Thank you, Eric, for joining me, as always, my friend. Um, please subscribe to the podcast, everybody. I really appreciate everybody that did that. Leave some feedback, as well as talk, checking out the actual site post, because that'll, that'll let you know what we're actually going to talk about on the podcast. Even, even when we're rambling, I will, uh, I'm usually pretty good at uh, catching up on all the things that we actually hit. So if you want to sort of bounce around, please go ahead and do that as well. Uh, anyway, thank you, Eric. I appreciate it, man. We'll do it again. No problem, man. Very Enjoy soon. the rest of the M- M- NBA playoffs. I know this has been kind of a pretty exciting time for you, even though they're all, the Hawks are definitely not involved. Oh, they are definitely not. And momentarily, I'll be watching LeBron in a Game 7, so there could be worse things in the world. Um, and by the way, uh, no, no Acuna update. As, eight, as of 8.36, we managed to get through an hour without an Acuna update. So I'm sure by 8.50, when we stop recording, there will be an Acuna update. Yeah, right, right when it posts. That's what happens it's to me. Gonna, it's going to be... 
it's going to be, you know, we get an injury update one way or the other, and there's going to be a trade rumor associated with Ozzy Albies, and your mentions are going to be a dumpster fire. Yeah, and, I um, mean, last week was kind of a perfect example, and, you know, on top of the fire alarm. Uh, I was basically just operating the whole podcast, and so was Scott, on the assumption that the Braves were going to lose the game because they were down by, what was it, six runs? Uh, and then they won. Let's see, the bottom of the... Bottom of the ninth, it was nine four. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I think that they you know, they win that game one percent of the time, and of course, it was one percent of the time where I'm recording a podcast during the game. And that's a reminder, Eric, that we should always wait till the games are over. Nah. And nah, just let are. it ride. Just, just <laughs> let the just let just let the rain hit, hit. Let the hate rain down on us. It's fine. It's totally yeah. cool, and I'm, I'm very glad we made it through this whole episode without without a fire alarm. So before that stops being the case, let's uh, let's sign off here. But follow Eric on Twitter <laughs> at Leprechaun. Follow the site on Twitter at Talking Chop. You can follow me if you want to. I can't imagine you do, but at BT Roland, and we'll see you guys. Next.